Welcome to the Family Goals Podcast with Davey Pog and Pastor Jay. My name is Jolan House, and the purpose of this podcast is to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. In this episode, we have two guests, the wives. Both Lindsay and Jennifer join us today, and as Davey would say, what could go wrong? Here's the conversation. Special today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You should you should have heard him. I've heard on the last few. Tony Dungy. Can, can we? Um, she just said I've heard uh, the last few. I've heard you call him out about it. I uh, wouldn't have yeah. It wasn't not, bad. I'm not a professional speaker. But I guess did, I am. You didn't stay at home. Kind of your job. But kind of are. Jennifer are amazed at that every week. Like, I can't believe you get you get paid to speak. And I don't know when pretty. to like correct him and when to just let it roll. But well, that's something we need to talk about in today's episode because yes. you got to know when to call out your spouse or yeah. give them, back them up. Or someone sent me an email the other day. They they were trying to encourage me about speaking the truth from the from the word of God and the message. But then then they said something about I just love that you're from South Mississippi <laughs> <laughs> speaking the truth. All right, so we're gonna get started. Here. All right, yep. I mean, we're kind of already right, started. So we don't need. I mean, there's nothing to really do. So we have the. The first lady, Jennifer Howes, back again on the podcast. Yeah, he said I'm taking over, but I'm not. Back by popular demand. Back by popular lot of, demand. We had a lot of people like that one or two. subscribed, <laughs> liked, and said yeah. more Howes, more, more first lady. First lady, please. Okay. But also, we have the, the wonderful, the talented, the amazing Lindsay Pollock. Thank That's you. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's never put headphones on in her life. She's extremely shy. Not, what could possibly go wrong? No, gonna she's going to be great. Lindsay, we're so ha- we're so happy to have you, and Thank we're you. looking forward to hearing your perspective because we hear a lot from Davey yes, and his do. opinions. Not that he's you are strongly opinionated. Yes, <laughs> there's no denying that. I told you when I started so, when I lot. when I started my TV career. What I, what I called my agent, I'm like, I think I could do this. This is when I was in my, like, neck brace. And I was like, I think I could do this TV stuff. And they're like, really? Why? I was like, I'm obnoxious. I'm loud. I'm opinionated. I'm like, I think I check all the boxes to be on television. So, yes, 100%. And Lindsay's the opposite. Uh, antithesis, correct. Yes. I mean, complete <laughs> polar opposites. Yes. That's why it works so well. That's right. Well, Balance. I'm so looking forward to hearing your perspective. So let's talk a little. Y'all started dating. How old were y'all? Eight, eight and six. <laughs> <laughs> I was 14. Okay. I was going in. We met in summer. Um, I was going into my sophomore year of high school. He was going to be a senior. And I was he an was old 18. senior. She so I was, was 14 young, and he was 18, yeah. A young sophomore. Did you yeah. get held back for sports? Uh, no, I got held back because I failed <laughs> kindergarten. So. I had to go to readiness. Had readiness. So did Jolan. Hey, Jolan did, did that. Readiness. Yeah. But it was good because we were moving from Texas, so... He did kindergarten in Texas, and he more or less failed. Then we moved here, and they had readiness, so yeah. we got him in, and it was perfect. I'm 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 very thankful yeah. we did. I mean, I, I'm thankful my parents did. They did it because off of a drawing, they said I drew a picture of my family like without heads or something, and they weren't they were a little <laughs> bit disturbed or something, and they literally put me in readiness. <laughs> but you know, my mom will tell, and you can back me up on this. Kelly will tell my kids all the time. Oh, he was a straight A student, like. So tell them about the report cards we found the other day. I think we were there for Easter, and she had pulled out all of his report cards um, from elementary school. The grades really weren't. What did all they? What did they all say? You know, they do the teacher comments in the columns. All of them talked about 
he doesn't really listen to authority. You know, he's really trying the self-control thing, but <laughs> every, every single, single one, one. It was really funny to read out loud. Yeah. Your kids can use that against you now. I know. It is what it is. I mean, it's the truth. That's for sure. That's great. Don't be like daddy, right? It's, That's right. There's two schools of thought. It's just like with grades. We're like, be like your no, mother. No, it just proves you have energy since day one. Right. Like, lots of energy. So high school sweethearts. Yes. So we met um, 14, 18. So he was only in high school for a year and then went to Georgia. But we stayed together, dated while he was there for two years. I finished out high school. I went to prom twice. He did. I was in he college. Was nice. Came home. Yeah. yeah. Um, then I went to Georgia, followed him there, and I stayed for two years. And then we pretty much knew he was going to get drafted. So it was, do we try and do this long distance thing or do we go ahead? And we knew we were at that point, we had dated for four years. We wanted to get married. So he proposed in December. We got married in May. He got drafted. Well, he got drafted April. We got married in May, and then we moved to Cincinnati in June. I was 19 years old. Wow. 22. It was a whirlwind for sure. And then he broke his neck, unfortunately, at, like, we were there for, it was your second season. So we had only been married for a year and a half. So 21 and 24, I guess, our worlds kind of got turned upside down. And then... Right after that, um, well, not right after, I guess a year, he decided it was a year of rehab and trying to figure out, do we want to continue this NFL career? What are, what are we going to do? Um, but we both knew we wanted to have kids, like, real young. We both wanted to be parents. That was always a, a big part of what How we How many did. did we want? We wanted four to start with. We wanted four. We wanted four. We did. Now we <laughs> want two. Um, it's not too late. In. <laughs> we can he'd, stop he'd the have, podcast right now. Have, you could have the grandchild like we did. <laughs> hey, anything's possible, but yeah. Um, but I want and it was all perfect timing because he was ready immediately. Like when he got drafted and we moved and we were married, he was like, let's have kids now. I really wanted to finish school, get my degree. Um, She's a Bearcat. She's I am, so I'm a Cincinnati Bearcat. So we waited um, until after the injury and then um, got pregnant pretty quickly after but it was like it gave us this really joyous moment after Mm. this really kind of hard moment um and at that point it was like a no-brainer for him I mean it really was all his decision I would give an opinion but you know it's his life it's his body it's his career um and he just said I want to be able to hold my kids all of them you know and there's there was always a chance if he went back to play that if he had the same injury he could be paralyzed which there's a there's a chance of that for every player out there um but he, I mean, it really, to me, seemed like it was a no-brainer for him. I mean, I'm sure he had some inner struggle with that. But um, so he just decided he was going to walk away and pursue other things. So Nicholas was actually born up in Cincinnati. Um, and We always told him he was born in the same hospital as Steph Curry and uh, LeBron James. He wasn't, no, but we always told him that. <laughs> not at they were all. born in the same hospital in Akron. Did you know that? Steph Curry that, and LeBron. No. And we always, I always told him that, and he's like, and then when he got older, he started telling his friends. I was like, I was just yeah. kidding. That was not true. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't not near true, there. buddy. Um, but, yeah, and then so during that time when I was pregnant and he knew he was pretty much done, he started pursuing other, and that's how the radio thing came about. And he he would watch Mike and Mike in the morning when that was on TV, um, 
like every day when he was in his halo because he couldn't do anything. I was student teaching at the time, so I was leaving every day to go to school, leaving him at home. He couldn't drive, so he was bored to tears. She gave great sponge baths, though. It was amazing <laughs> in my halo. I did have to do that. <laughs> she, had to give, she had to clean my sights, you know, my scars, mm-hmm. and then my halo on, on the back and the front. Like, she had to be my nurse right away. It was kind of, it was definitely kind of hard on her, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it all seemed like such a whirlwind at the time. I it seems mean, like a hundred years ago. It does. Too. It feels like forever. But we're getting old. But it all kind of. I mean, looking back now, it all it all makes sense. It got us to where we are. So he reached out to a local because we knew at that point if he wasn't going to keep playing, we weren't going to stay in Cincinnati. I mean, we loved it. We had made friends. We where we lived, we loved. But I mean, if he wasn't playing, we were moving back home to family. So that's when he reached out to um, his agent and local radio and said, you know, I think I can, I think I can do this thing. I watch Mike and Mike. I can do that. <laughs> so they gave him like a trial run um, on, I don't even know what radio show it was, but 790. 790. Okay. And he did great. Of course, he's got a great personality for it. And it's hard. So it's harder than you think. Pastor Jay makes that. He shows you that every week on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he's trying to put, trying to put sentences together. Radio is tough, more is tougher than doing your sermon. Don't well, you think? Painting a pic because you have to paint a picture without using your hands. Yeah, like you can't smile. Like you, like when you're up on stage, you can smile. You can show things. When you're on a radio, uh-uh. you got to articulate, which is not good for defensive players. I digress. Well, the <laughs> hardest part for him is he'd have to do these reads for like sponsors. Oh my god! He doesn't do teleprompter. He doesn't read notes. Like that's not his thing. He's much better just off the cuff and. <laughs> He'd have to, he gets so frustrated because you have to read these sponsor ad things. And he's like, I, um, and he fumble over his words. And every, every word. time. I should, I, if, if we found those, I could probably still be fired from ESPN. It was so bad. The pro flowers. You remember that? Yeah, you did do that a lot. You do like a, <laughs> hey, buy your significant other uh, flowers for Valentine's Day. <laughs> Call 1-800-PRO-FLOWERS. I remember my co-host didn't show up from one of my radio, one of my radio things. And he's. It was Mike Bell, and he was crazy, and he was awesome to work with because he just ran everything, and I just answered questions and just fit in where I got in. And uh, he didn't show up one day. He was five minutes late, so I had to do five minutes. I went through, like, 80 pages of notes. <laughs> like, I just literally read as fast as I could. It is – I mean, that's what – people don't understand how hard that is. Mm-hmm. We have in the, At church, when those kids get up there and share their stories and they're 11 years old, 12 years old, I'm like, y'all have no clue how tough that is. Like, y'all – you're going to make fun of those kids or say something, make a comment, I'm going to slap you. Like, that's what we do here at Greystone. We slap <laughs> yeah. you. You don't get out of line. But it's re- it was really tough. Very hard. Well, tell us how y'all, um, because now fast forward all these years, you're sold out for Christ. Your whole family centered around it, what y'all do every day. So tell us how that happened. When did you surrender to Christ and kind of the that part of the story? I grew up in a Christian household. Church was, I mean, I was christened as a baby. I did. I grew up in the Methodist church, so I went through confirmation. My dad was my Sunday school teacher. My mom worked at the church my whole life. She actually just retired from the church maybe two years ago. Um, so it was always in my life. And when I met Davey, he had just come to Christ. Um, and I think he's told that story on the podcast. He did not grow up in the church, totally opposite backgrounds. Um, but he was like on fire for Christ when I met him. So it was really great timing. Um, I was still going to church. I had switched from my home church to a church where a bunch of my friends from school were going. So um, I was in a really good place with that. He went off to Georgia. Um, 
FCA. He got huge into FCA. The team chaplain became like his mentor, best friend. Um, he actually ended up marrying us. Um, he was our pastor at our wedding. Um, so we had a, a, a basis um, from the beginning in our relationship. Um, it was very important to both of us. We knew we both wanted to be virgins. We neither one of us drank. So, I mean, we did start out with a pretty, quote unquote, easy start as far as that goes. We weren't, you know, fighting against each other's morals and values and our faith. Um, and then when we got... Which, by the way, that would have been really, really difficult if we weren't. Yeah. And like, I mean, because if Especially you're Especially not- living apart. For those two years when he was in college and I was in high school, that could have been bad. Yeah, but it's just very difficult if you're not, and we've talked about this before, but if you're not equally yoked, if you're not living for the same thing, it's impossible to really kind of do it. Like you say, we say it's easy. I mean, Nicholas asked me this. I was talking to Nicholas about this the other day, but talking about being virgins before, you know, wedding, I was telling what the Bible says about that. And I think God honors, God honored us because of our decision and what we did. But I was like, it doesn't mean that stuff's easy. Like it doesn't mean it's easy when you have somebody that feels the same way. Like it makes right. it easier. But I, I I heard somebody talk about this one time. Like the 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 most time that men struggle with porn is at night. Like before you're going to bed, you're tired, you're worn out, like you're just exhausted and you're scrolling through your phone. Like you're scrolling through your phone and you see things. Like and that's what and so like you have to be able to understand, like, I gotta remove myself from those situations. I need to get rid of my phone at night. I need to put my phone somewhere else well my phone's my alarm clock in the morning well buy an alarm clock right. dummy like you know what i'm saying like <laughs> but like floyd floyd money mayweather was the best when he was in boxing at not getting hit he was the best why he didn't put himself in situations to get hit but it's the same thing like we gotta when you're surrounded by people that make those decisions and convictions and live by them and hold each other accountable and make it a priority like it makes it a lot easier i'm not saying it's easy it's still difficult it wasn't easy for us to still maintain that and, and and do that like we wanted to but there's still moments when you don't want to like right. when you think differently so continue yeah no and even I mean when we dated we dealt with it but even now in marriage I see so like when he was in college for those two years and I was you know he would go out with friends I wasn't with him all I mean we'd see each other on the weekends but there was a lot of time apart and had it been where he drank and he wasn't a virgin and all, you know, like it could have been a very non-trusting relationship, lots of jealousy, that kind of stuff, but it, it never even. Especially crossed. as beautiful as I was. Oh yeah. I mean, you were amazing. But it just never crossed my mind to doubt what he was about. And now in our marriage, same thing. Like we have friends who, you know, their spouses do drink and if they go out for a guy's night or something, they're a little concerned or worried. Like, should I, it, I and that we don't have to think that way, which is very freeing and and you know I think that's been a huge part of why we don't argue about really dumb things and that kind of stuff so um but anyway so we I followed him to Georgia um started hanging out with the team chaplain as well um I mean he just had he already had surrounded himself with a really good group of Christ followers um but I didn't really have my group I guess I mean I kind of spent my two years at Georgia just you know, Hanging out with me. Yeah. I mean, I didn't do the sorority thing. I was really into my grades, so I was going to go to class, and then I was going to hang out with him. <laughs> and I traveled for all the football games. Like, that was that's what I was going to do. So I didn't have um, – I mean, I had friends, but I wasn't part of a Bible study. I wasn't really going – I wasn't going home to my church or anything like that. So I would say moving to Cincinnati at the time we did was huge because 
Um, we met the team chaplain and his wife there who were much older than us. They had four kids already. Um, I mean, I'm 19 years old, but the wife took me under her wing. He took Davy under his wing. I mean, they were amazing. And she got me into a women's Bible study. He got both of us into a couple's Bible study with the team. Um, and I would say that was a really big turning point for us. Um, especially me seeing now like, okay, I'm a grown up. I'm no longer a little kid. I'm married. Like we're starting a life here. Um, and what it meant to have like a Christ centered family, even though it was just the two of us. Um, but getting to watch them and how they were raising their children and their values, um, was huge. And then when he broke his neck, like, I honestly don't know. I mean, we would, we would have made it through, but I, I feel like it would have not been as, you know, not easy, but easy, Easy. you know, without having had that support there and already having that, um, foundation from them. But what I see, and I've never seen this till now, by the way, because she's talking about, it's kind of weird to hear somebody talk about your life, but like every step of the way we had people in our lives. Like when I got to Georgia FCA team chaplain, like how important is it for all of us as we go through life to find those people, like to plug into those people? We also have a time like when we moved back to Georgia and we didn't have that. And we had friends that were different than us and that weren't pursuing that. They were good people, but they were not pursuing that. That wasn't their, their main focus weren't to be godly people. They weren't, they weren't trying to have great marriages. That wasn't like list at the top of their list and be great examples to their kids all the time. And, and guess what? That was some of our worst years, and we almost didn't make it through those years. It was really, really difficult. But when we did find team chaplains and we did find, like, you guys, you know, you've, when we go surround ourselves with people that um, have experience, that have been successful, not that talk about being successful, that have walked it for a long time, that have experience, and you see it like – it's made a big difference. It's made a huge difference in us growing individually and growing together as a family and then learning how to do it as a family, being around good families that, that absolutely do that, that absolutely pray together. That, you know, the golf tournament the other day, it was awesome. We, the day before the golf tournament for, for our foundation, you know, it, it almost makes us cry every single year. And I, I almost, especially me, I know, but she's not as much of a crier as me. <laughs> but I'm sitting there and I'm looking out and I'm, we got an army of volunteers. I mean, you got we got 20, 30 people, like families that just come with their kids and it doesn't matter what, what they're going to be there. Like, and they're going to support us. Like, and it's just, it's crazy. And we just huddled up and we prayed before the event because we set it all up the day, the night before. And, uh, and we've prayed for, you know, rain and to stay away and to be able to finish the tournament. But it's just, I mean, those, those, all those people would sit there. That's what they're in their lives. And they'll absolutely do that. They'll pray for us. They'll pray, pray with us. So, well, and the reason why is y'all have invested in them. Like it's mutual. Like they love y'all, but y'all have poured into them, opened up your home, loved on their kids, you know, and that's Jonathan and I talk about y'all occasionally. And we'll say, you know, you're on the road, but you're back in church on Sunday. Lindsay is volunteering in the kids' area on Sunday morning. Y'all are serving with the students. You're leading kids to Christ. You're baptizing kids. Like, y'all are super busy, but you've made it a priority, and it's really admirable. I mean, you're living for Christ, and so, like, how did y'all make those decisions? Because you could, you're asked to do a lot of things, I'm sure, but why is that a priority? Um. Uh, I was getting to where he was going with that. Uh, So at Cincinnati, we had a good thing going, but we decided to move back home. And 
while it was great, we got to be near family. Um, for the first year, we lived in Buckhead in this tiny little condo while he was on radio. We were building a house. So it was me and Nicholas all day, every day, cooped up. Like, I pretty much just kind of removed myself. Like, I just was mom. I was raising a kid. He was off at radio for four or five hours a day. Um, then we had Leah. Then he started traveling. And so I'm a stay-at-home mom. You know, I mean, I have friends, but I'm still not, like, plugged in, really. Um, he starts traveling. I have two little babies. And I'd be lying if I said there weren't times I looked at him. I was like, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're on the road. You're away. And in, and in fairness, in the beginning, I thought he was off having a grand old time. I didn't really understand how hard he actually had to work until I went on a first trip. And I was like, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> like, you really have to study. And, like, this is awful. Russell, Russell it, was, it was one of the most exciting games in the history of college football. Russell Wilson threw the Hail Mary at Michigan State. People that are diehard fans, you'll know. And Lindsay was there with me, and she was asleep on the bus. And I was on the field. She was she was exhausted. I was like, after that point, yeah, it was it was nice. Every time I went on the road, she was like, yeah. Well, they're up at like 4 a.m., they do the show, and then they sit and watch football all day and take notes and study. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> well, I do think, like, he and I were talking the other day. One of the hardest times in our marriage for me was – Young kids, he gets to go off and do, and he is working, but in my mind, like, you don't it's have to time. think about the kids. Yeah. You don't have to think about childcare. You can do whatever you want whenever you want. If I want to do anything, I have to find a babysitter. Yeah. And now my perspective is much different, but at the time. But it's not know, fair. I mean, it is harder on the women. Like, yeah. that's, there's no, like, and that's, if you have new kids and you're, and you're a husband, you listen to this, you probably should take note of that because that's something that we all screwed up, probably. Pastor Jay would say the same thing. And here's the thing. Women don't take time for themselves like men do. Like, we have no problem going, hey, I'm going to play basketball. But, like, y'all don't – I don't know. Women just don't mom have – Mom guilt. Yeah. Mom guilt. And I just don't <laughs> think y'all have the – like, men like to play cornhole and pickleball and whatever – basketball, whatever it is. Like, we love that. Like, when we played uh, after here after when we played pickleball, we love that. Like, it's awesome. We thrive on competition. And I don't think women have that as much. So – I think it makes a difference because we have things that we go and enjoy and we get a break and we turn our brain off and we go compete and y'all don't have those things. And well, also like my mom was a stay at home mom in my mind. If you're a good Christian woman, you're the homemaker, you're at home with the kids. And so it's just in, it was ingrained in me. Like that's what we do. And then I learned later that I'm more fulfilled when I'm doing some things outside the home yep. too. Well, and you're good at it. That's one of your passions, and that's what you're good at. And you're nosy, remember? You said yeah. that. You're pushy. Pushy. Bossy. Bossy. All those things. Bossy. Yeah, it's true. But I, but I think just to, to talk about Lindsay real quick with that stuff, like her small group this year has been one of the most amazing things to watch. How many did y'all start with? Like Probably 20, I don't know, 15 to 20 the first week. And then they end up having like over 30. 32. 32 girls that come every Wednesday. What in age her, group is this? In her group. Sixth grade. Sixth grade. Sixth just sixth grade. grade. I mean, it's crazy, and she's baptized, or like Leah says, baptized. She's <laughs> baptized, you know, I, I don't know, 10, 15 of them this year. And so back ish. to her question-ish, how do, how do you do that? How do we? Well, so I would say during that time when the kids were little, he started traveling. Um, we did eventually, at, when they were one and three, got plugged in at Greystone. We had some friends introduce us to Greystone Church, so we started going, Um which that was step one. We needed to get back into church. Um, and that was great. But we still, the kids got a little older. They started playing sports. That kind of became a priority. Um, we were hanging out with a friend group, like Davies talked about, that, you know, 
we played sports with them, but that was really the only thing we had super in common. Like marriage wasn't high on the priority list. Um, uh, just not, not great focus for life. And we got tied up into that and we did, we went through some really couple hard years, um, when our focus wasn't, you know, Christ first, family first, then all the other things. Um, so after that, I mean, I reached out to Jennifer. Um, I know Davey talked to Jonathan. We had some other counsel um, and just kind of really showed us how our priorities were off. And we hadn't put, you know, each other and our family first. And we had to reevaluate the friends we were hanging out with, where we were, all those things. Um, so we kind of made some really hard decisions, let a lot of people go from our lives um, moved our kids into a completely different county to play sports uh, and switched the campuses that we went to. We stayed with Greystone. We didn't want to leave Greystone, switched campuses. Well, we drove for a while. We did. To Greystone. <clears throat> um, but anyways, I would say at that point, after going through that time, we realized, okay, we were going through the motions and we were going to church, and I can't speak for him. I think his faith has always been pretty strong. I think mine had dipped a little, and I just, mom was at the top of my priority list, and I was making no time for myself spiritually at all, even though I was going to church, but, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, and it was a wake-up call, like, okay, if we want this to survive and this to, to work, like, you got to do something. So um, I started getting involved, volunteering, like, wanting my kids you know, you want your kids to see you uh, live in life the way you want them to live life. You know, like you can't just say we're going to live a Christ-centered life. You got to actually do it. Um, so I, I would, th I think that was the big moment where we started really getting plugged in. Um, you know, the kids started traveling with Davy. Like we made it all. Like it didn't have to be separate lives. You know, it can be an all all inclusive thing. Um, we go to church. Church became that's when he was coming home no matter what and going to church if at all possible. They get to see Daddy do that. Um, we knew when they got old enough and we talked about it years before they even got old enough that we wanted to be plugged in on Wednesday nights, like kids involved in church became a huge priority for us. Not just, we didn't want to be just the sports family. We wanted to also have the church going. Um, so then when they both became middle school age, so Nicholas is seventh and Leah is sixth, um, it was a no brainer. We knew we wanted to, I mean, we've been doing the sports camp thing every summer and those kind of things. But when it became time that we could be up here for student ministry, we knew we wanted to do it, um, and so we both started this year with small groups, and this has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. And throughout the time, I've been in multiple women's Bible studies with Jennifer and other people leading, and so I think you just, you can't just hope for the best. You have to actually, you know, be intentional and do the things. Seek out, and I, like he said, I'm, I'm pretty shy. I don't, I'm not the first one to walk up to stranger in the room and strike up a conversation. Um, so for me to like seek out a group, a small group, a Bible study, those kind of things is just not me. But it got to a point where I realized, well, it's got to be me. Like you gotta, you gotta learn to do those things. You can't just be mom and everything else go, you know, be on the back burner. Um, so we started doing small groups together too as a couple. We hadn't done that really in the beginning of our marriage since Cincinnati when we left. That was. We just kind of stopped doing anything as a couple as far as, you know, faith-based went. Um, so small group has been huge for us. And then we started leading our own couple's small group two years ago, um, and that's also huge. Um, so I don't know. I guess it all just – you go through some tough things and you realize what you got to adjust. And so now we, we are where we are, and, I mean, we have lots of growing to still do. But, but I think we all go through tough times. And, I, and we hear that, but I think the biggest thing is 
you're going to keep going through tough times unless you learn from them. Like, I, I, well, and I feel like the tough time, once you get to the other side, you realize I can get through hard things. Like yeah. with God, with my Christian friends, with who I'm surrounded, like, and typically we're better for it. Just like oh, yeah. you said, you go through the hard time and it's terrible, but on the other side, you're like, I can see God's provision, his faithfulness. I'm a different person. I know for me, I love people more now that I've gone through a hard time. I can relate to them now. Yeah. I can relate. I, to, I, I couldn't, I'm not a sympathetic, Lindsay could tell you, I'm not sympathetic or empathetic, but when I've gone through something, you're like, ooh, like I know what heartache is. Like I know they need support. They need help when well, I've gone through it. Well, and you do have a choice. Like, and we, we counsel lots of people mm. and in that crisis mode, everyone has a choice. Am I going to run to God or, or away from God? And we've seen people do both, but nine times out of 10, when people or 10 out of 10, actually, when people follow Christ after that, the hard thing was the best thing that ever happened to them. You know, as hard as it is, it's the best thing that ever happened because the whole, y'all's whole life has changed. Um, yeah, ever since y'all went through that difficult time, you've just been on this upward climb towards Christ. And so encouraging for me as the pastor because you guys are applying the Word of God. You guys are, like, actually picking up what I'm putting down. You're actually <laughs> catching what you're throwing. You're actually catching what I'm throwing. Like, you guys have ordered your entire family, your marriage, your kids, your life around the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the church, surrounding yourself with the right people, pouring your life into the kids. We're still not perfect, your, but yes. But yes. So, so, so when you became a leader of a small group, did that challenge you? Because now now you're not just showing up for small group. You're having to prepare and, and lead other people. And the same with the kids on Wednesday night. Like you're having – do you find that your faith has really grown and your knowledge has grown because cause you're not just doing it for yourself. You're leading other people. And I think the accountability. Like now you're like, what am, are you doing what you're supposed to do? And you're, you have the authority to challenge people. You have the authority to hold people accountable. And now you're like, they can also hold you accountable. So I think – you know what? What are, I think you're you're looked at now as a leader. You're looked at as people that are helping people grow. Like you, you, you. I think it's a, it's a high, heightened sense of like I can't let them down either. Like so, I think there's there's a part of that. But the the small group with the kids is totally different too. I mean, it's just it's, I don't see how y'all do it. Like I'm really good with kids, and like once people are in college, but like the sixth through twelfth grade, they're like, not the most. I'm fun. out. I'm out. Like, I lead a ladies' small group, and we meet on Wednesday nights simultaneous to youth just so the moms can come, and I, I cannot stand it. I can't even stand walking through the building with them throwing things everywhere. And it smells bad, too. It smells bad. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. See, you but should be throwing things everywhere, though. I know. It's totally do. fun, and I'm kids totally— throw, break things. That's okay. I'm totally for it. And every—I mean, every Thursday it's cleaned up, but every Wednesday night I'm like— Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it smell it smells like a locker room in the auditorium when you have all those middle school kids sweating and running around and. Well, I so would never want to teach middle school ever. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm with you there. To be clear, yeah, it's just it's it's different having just your little tight knit group. But that's what's cool about when you're volunteering up there and when you have kids those ages, because, you know, just like Adam Wilson and those got those, they volunteered before us and they they move out, you know, the Bryce's are, you know, on their way out, like they're moving out as well. Like, but, and somebody will move in, you know, and somebody will take your spot, but it's kind of cool because your kids are in that spot. Your kids are in that realm. So it helps you relate to your kids better 
Um, so you kind of know I'm helping their friends and shoot, she's led, I don't know, 15 to 20 of them to Christ in her small group this year, like that are, are now our girls. I mean, they're our girls friends and right. she's baptized them. Like, that's a cool feeling. Like you're also, we're bringing people along for the ride, but it's also surrounding our daughter with people that have faith. I mean, that's, that's an right. awesome, it's an awesome byproduct of investing in your time. You're also investing in your children. Like, I mean, they're, they're up there. Now I have the sixth grade boys. So, and Lindsay has a sixth grade girls. So I, Nicholas is in seventh grade. So I don't have any kid. I didn't have any kid. I really knew. Um, but now I, I, now I've gotten to know them all. And, but I also know all the boys that would, might be dating Leah in the yeah. sixth grade. So <laughs> it's, I, good to know. it's good to know them too. That's a great strategy for helping your daughter have Christian friends. Yeah. Lead them all to Christ. Absolutely. <laughs> bold strategy. So are y'all going to stay with this age group? Like, are y'all going to keep moving up with them? Yeah. Well, I, I'm planning to move up. I'm not sure what he's doing. I think it, it just depends. I might move. I might go with Mac. Mac's going to go with Bear to high school. So one of our eighth grade leaders. So I might go up to there. They'll be eighth grade next year. He's, he's, Bear's leaving. So he might move up and then I might move up and do the eighth grade group next year. Okay. But we'll stay in the. My girls would revolt if I didn't yeah. move up with them. They, <laughs> so sweet. They love, they love her. For some reason. Well, I got small them group leaders are super important. Um, Jesse, I guess she pulled her leader out the other day to have a conversation with her because one of her friends told her that he was gender fluid and she was confused by it. And so she talked to her small group leader before she talked to me about it. And so, I mean, y'all have a super important role. Um, you partner with the parent and it's like, as parents, I need other strong people Dang right. talking into my kids but, and speaking truth. And, and at the same time, not overstepping the bounds because right. you're not their mother. No, you're not their father. Like, one of my big things with my group is always like, are you honoring your mother and father? Like they're the most important people in your life. Like I'm trying to reinforce that in my groups all the time. Like I'm not your dad. I'm not taking the spot of your dad. I'm not cooler than your dad. Your dad's freaking awesome. Like he's flipping fantastic. And we're trying to help build a relationship, love on him, but also point him towards like, you better do, you better, you better do what your, the Bible tells you to do. You better honor your mother and father. So I do think that's an important distinction because I've seen it where, you, you be friends, friends. And, and I said this in the first meeting we had this year with Colton when they're doing our small groups. I'm like, listen, we're not their friends. You know, we're not going to be, we're not taking the place of their parents. Like we can love on them, but we still need to hold them accountable and still point them towards having a great relationship with their friends or with their parents, excuse me. Mm -hmm. So I, it is a tough, but it's a great, it's a great spear. That's but exactly what you said. We want as many people as we can pouring into our kids right. that are like-minded, that want to pour into our kids with God, with love. Like we want as much as that as possible. Thank you for listening to this week's Family Goals podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. It was great hearing about each of their commitments in their marriage to purity before they got married. For the moms out there with little kids, Lindsay opened up about the daily struggle of raising little kids and how her and Davey had lost focus for a little while and how they regained that focus on the Lord. If you feel like you and your family have lost focus on Jesus and he's not your number one in your life or your marriage, I would encourage you to look at those areas of your life that you need to surrender to Jesus and making sure that you're putting him first in all areas. Thank you again for listening to the Family Goals podcast and we'll catch you next week.